0: You know, when I was younger, I really struggled with, with separating myself from sport. You know, I really believed how I performed was what defined me. And I started to perform way better once I was able to separate myself from sport and realize that sport does not define me. Um, And that's something that has just been huge for
1: me. That's Gwen Jorgensen. And this is episode 67 of the Morning Shakeout podcast. Hey, what's up everybody? It's your host Mario Fraioli and welcome back. Welcome to the Morning Shakeout podcast where every week I talk with some of the top athletes, coaches, personalities and behind the scenes people in the sport of running. This week, I'm super excited to welcome Gwen Jorgensen to the show. Gwen is a marathoner with the Bowerman Track Club. Oh, yeah, she's also the 2016 Olympic gold medalist in triathlon. And we caught up recently to talk about where she's at right now. She just had surgery on a Haglund's deformity in her heel and is going to be back to running soon. Talked about what that process has been like for her from a training and also a psychological standpoint. We got into... Her Chicago Marathon last fall, where she finished 11th in 236 and change. It's a result she was disappointed with and talked about why. Uh, got into the buildup that went into that race, what she learned transitioning from triathlon, and continued to rewind from there. It's a great conversation. Really enjoyed it. I think you'll take a lot away from it. But before we get into it, um, no sponsor for this show, so there will not be a mid-roll read. But if you want to support The Morning Shakeout, what would mean a lot to me is if you actually went to bravelightgabe.org slash donate and gave some money to Rare Cancer Research. That is Gabe Grunwald's foundation. Right now, her husband, Justin, who is one of my athletes and a good friend, is running that organization. He wants nothing more than to make an impact on Rare Cancer Research. And if you would go there, that's bravelikegabe.org slash donate. It would really mean a lot to me. All right, that's it for this intro. Let's get right into it with Gwen Jorgensen. Gwen Jorgensen, welcome to the Morning Shakeout Podcast.
0: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
1: Let's start just by catching up with where you're at right now. Um, My last point of reference for you was a YouTube video that I watched within the last week or so. And it was you on your couch with your son, Stanley. uh, And at the (laughs) end, I saw you just slamming the pedals on your bike, uh, racing on Zwift. And then there's a little clip at the end of you outside, uh, dropping your husband, Patrick on a road ride. (laughs) So it doesn't look like you've been running too much of late and we'll get into why. Um, but just catch us up to speed with where you're at right now here in late June. To
0: to be fair. Um, I only was able to drop my husband because he was towing Stanley. So he had an extra (laughs) like 40 pounds. Um, but yeah, you know, I, After winning gold in triathlon, I switched over to marathon and I had surgery on my heel. I had a Haglund's deformity, which is an overgrowth of the heel bone. So I had that shaved down. They went in microscopically and they were able to to not um, do anything with the tendon, which should lead to a faster recovery. So I have been cleared to cross train, but not cleared to run yet. So I've been doing a lot of biking. A lot of swimming, some ellipticaling, and um, I've been cleared to walk as of this week, so that's been pretty exciting, just to be able to go on some longer walks as well. But I've definitely been using Zwift um, just to get in some races and to feel to get that little competitive edge back in me that I love.
1: <laughs> when did you have the surgery exactly?
0: Oh, you're asking me dates? I don't know dates. I would need <laughs> to ask my husband. Let's see. It was like, um, let's see this this Friday. We'll
1: be six weeks. Okay. And if everything goes to plan, when do you anticipate being able to run again? Or is On it too Friday. Early to tell?
0: Yeah, Friday I should be able to run, but that's, um, you know, when I say run, it's going to be like a total of five minutes of running broken up, where I'll do like a one minute run, 10 minute walk or something like that, um, you know, three to five times. So um, I'm, I'll am i be able to start running um then, but it, you know, I probably won't be full on running until, you know, like training with the team. Um, hopefully if everything goes to plan three weeks post-op, but, you know, going into this surgery, the number one goal was get healthy. Don't put a date on it. You know, we always put these arbitrary dates like, mm-hmm. oh, at six weeks post-op you can run. It doesn't like, it's not magic that, you know, at five weeks you're not healed and at six weeks you are healed. So, a lot of this is also just listening to my body, Um, you know, a good point of reference for me um, that I've been working with, um, I've been working with Lindsay Golich at the USOC and she's a brilliant physiologist, um, just, you know, teaching me how to repair bone growth and tendon growth. And, you know, she said, break up your sessions, do two 20 to 30 minute sessions instead of one hour session, because that really helps with tendon repair and bone growth and bone growth happens within the first 20 minutes of stressing it. Um, and so, you know, she's teaching me all sorts of things like that and something she told me and we've talked about is, you know, we want to have a week of no pain walking before we jump into running. And so, you know, I think it's better to put that sort of Mm -hmm. timeline on it than a specific date.
1: How long had your heel been giving you trouble and when did you decide to finally move forward with the surgery?
0: Oh, it's been a while. Um, you know, when I was pre- it started when I was pregnant, um, and I'm gonna blame my feet. Um, they grew a size, and they're actually back to normal now. So I guess it was just swelling. But I was running in shoes too small for me, and I didn't realize until I had three toenails that fell off, and I had never had a toenail fall off in my life before. I was like, "What is going on? This is weird." And I also started to have some pain in my Achilles. And I think, you know, during that time, uh, the haglins can form from irritation and just getting rubbed. And I think it was just getting rubbed and a shoe that was too small. And so that's when it started and you know, um, I was able to manage the pain for two years plus. Um, and it was, it wasn't until Chicago after racing Chicago, I just had a breaking point and it really flared up and I just was never able to get it back under control. And I tried after racing Chicago, um, I tried a couple different things. I tried PRP, which healed my tendon, but it obviously didn't fix the problem of the the bone overgrowth. And so I had about three different startups. Um, and you know, I was able to join the team for some workouts here and there, and then it would just flare up too bad. And um, you know, I made the decision to have the surgery a week before I had it, so seven weeks ago, I guess.
1: <laughs> In terms of challenging things that you've dealt with throughout the course of your entire athletic career, where does this particular injury stack up?
0: Yeah, this is probably the hardest. You know, I've always said when people have injuries, I always say that's the hardest part of sport and i've never really had to deal with anything chronic or anything ongoing you know i've had to take 3 days off here and there i've been really fortunate in my career and i i remember in in triathlon i had so many people tell me the key to success is just staying healthy and i don't think i truly knew the magnitude of what that meant until i got injured um now running and um you know, when you have an injury, you feel, you know, I feel like I'm letting people down. I feel like I'm not doing as much for my sponsors as I should be. And, you know, I really just want to get out there and and run, run, run. But I know that the number one goal is to be healthy. And I, I think what made me actually realize I needed surgery and what made me slow down is I realized I'm never going to be my best if I'm not at a hundred percent. And I definitely wasn't at a hundred percent. And so for me to reach my goals, I know that I need to be healthy and being healthy will be better for not only me, but my sponsors.
1: From a timing standpoint, I mean, this is a little over a year out from the 2020 Olympic games, even less than a year out from the Olympic marathon trials. Has there been any sense of panic at all? either when you were making the decision to have the surgery or since you've had it and not being able to run that your window is closing? And and, and if so, how have you managed that?
0: There's been no panic um, since having the surgery. You know, I know before having the surgery, it was all, you know, I already felt like I was kind of behind the game. I hadn't been running for years and years and years like these marathoners. And um, for me, I just thought, you know, the more miles, the better, the more miles, the better. And I kept trying To push off, um, you know, probably what I needed, which was surgery. And, um, you know, I just got to this breaking point where I realized there's no way that I'm ever gonna be able to make the Olympic team if I'm not healthy. And and so for me, I actually have a lot of confidence in this time off. I know that it's gonna take time to heal. And I know that if I would have continued down the path I was on, there was a zero chance I was gonna make the team because um, I wouldn't be healthy. And so for me, I know I need to, to get healthy to, to give myself that
1: chance. And looking forward, at, maybe it's too early at this point, but do you anticipate that you'll race a marathon before next February's trials? Or is that just not on your radar yet? And you're still, as you said, focused on just getting as healthy as you can be? Right now, I'd love to just get a little bit of insight into that.
0: <laughs> um, you and a lot of other people. <laughs> um, you know, my husband even. My husband's like, he secretly like looks online for races that um, would be good and within the time range. And he has these like secret phone calls. Not They're not secret because I know about them. But um, phone calls with Jerry. And I'm just like, don't talk about it with me. I don't want to hear it because I know that Fair if enough. I put if I put a date on it, if I say, oh, I'm going to race – this marathon on this date, or even if it's, you know, I'm going to race this half marathon or if I'm going to do this to prepare, I'm going to rush coming back. And I do not want to rush coming back. I put so much time and energy already into, into this surgery, into getting healthy. I need to continue on so that I actually finish the job of getting hundred percent healthy. And, you know, I, I going into this surgery, um, somebody I really trust told me, you know, it's not going to be linear. You're not going to have this surgery and it's magically going to be better and you're not going to get better every day. You're going to have setbacks and, you know, coming back to that, what I talked about earlier, setting timelines, like you just can't do that when you have a major surgery or any sort of surgery, um, or with an injury, you just, you need to listen to your body and everyone's body heals differently. There's things you can do to help it with healing, which I'm doing. So, you know, I'm just hopeful that, when I'm ready, um, I'll find a race and Jerry kind of operates like that anyway. Um, Jerry, a lot of times doesn't tell you us that we're doing a race until like a day or week before. So
1: (laughs) while you're healing, how much confidence do you take from your prior background in triathlon, knowing that you can cross train yourself to a pretty high level of fitness while you're not able to run at the level that you want to be at yet?
0: Yeah, I feel like I have a huge advantage just having that background and knowing how to cross train. I know how to get fitness up. I know how to get my cardio up by swimming, by biking. Um, and you know, I'm, I've also start, done stuff like aqua jog, which I never did in my triathlon days and, um, ellipticaling and things like that. But, you know, I feel very blessed that I am able to, use my background to, to gain cardio fitness. It's actually, I was really surprised. I was, I hate swimming. It's like, one of the reasons I quit triathlon. I just absolutely hate it. In swimming, you know, it's been interesting because I've been able to gain fitness so quickly. I feel like in two weeks, my fitness has just jumped leaps and bounds. Whereas in running, that doesn't happen as quickly. And so you know, you don't really get You don't really have that high risk of injury, so you can kind of just go in and swim every day. Whereas in running, it starts out very slow running, you know, five minutes the first day, taking a day or two off and another five minutes. And so um, it's just been pretty surprising how quickly I can gain that fitness. And I'm really hopeful that through this process that I'll be able to take that cardio and that it will be able to translate over into my running.
1: What have you done from a mental standpoint during this period since you've had the surgery and have kind of been out of your groove from a training element, knowing that, you know, you're working back toward being able to put in a solid build up toward your next race, whenever that's going to be.
0: I've continued with a journal, which I have done for years and years and years. And, you know, I write down in the journal, um, positive things that I'm doing on a daily basis and things that I could do better and goals for the week. And that really keeps me motivated. And, you know, I've actually been, you know, I think a lot of times when you're injured from the outside looking in, people think as a professional athlete, if you're injured, you have all this time on your hand, but a lot of times you're just way more busy. I'm um, doing, you know, I'm doing PT exercises six times a day. I'm seeing my physical therapist three times a week. And then I'm also, you know, getting the normal work that I normally get done, which is massage every other day. And um, you know, so it, it actually is. It's, it's interesting. My mind hasn't been able to, to wander so much because I've just been so focused on everything I'm doing in the daily tasks.
1: Your training group, Bowerman Track Club, they I mean, everyone's doing different things throughout the year. Right now it's track season. You can have people building up for possibly fall marathons and stuff soon. I mean, you haven't been running, so I can't imagine you've been around the group much. How supportive have your teammates been during the last couple of months as you've been dealing with this injury?
0: Yeah, my teammates have been amazing. And, you know, I think that's a big reason why I'm able to stay positive is because I have such a good group around me that's supportive. They're all the ones who are racing. um, track are up at altitude right now in park city, but they check in with me. Um, you know, at least probably once a week, you know, we text all the time. They say, Hey, how are you doing? And I'd be like, Oh, I got to bike this week. or I got to elliptical. And they're like, that's huge. And so one of them sent me a little gif with like, a a little girl, like crushing a can. They're like, you're crushing it. <laughs> you know, it's really exciting to have that support. Um, and you know, I feel very fortunate that I am a part of such an amazing group. These women are, they're the ones that are actually crushing it. And I'm really excited to see how, how they perform in the upcoming races over the next couple of weeks, but to have them, it's a big reason why I chose the Bowerman track club. You know, I wanted a group of athletes that I could train with on a daily basis, a group of athletes that was uplifting, who were supportive and, That's what this group is. They're just truly incredible.
1: That's awesome. Let's go back to last fall, Chicago Marathon. You finished 11th, 3 and 2.36. After the race, I read a quote said, I think you had said to your husband, like, to be brutally honest, um, like, I'm really questioning what the heck I'm doing here. Take me through what you were feeling immediately after Chicago Marathon last fall.
0: Yeah. You know, um, Chicago was really tough for me and I, I don't really like talking about this too much just because I don't like making excuses. Um, leading into the race the three days prior, I had a fever of over a hundred and I've raced sick before. And so in my mind, I thought, Oh, it's fine. I'll be totally fine. This Mm -hmm. is good. And I ended up racing and I, I just, you know, I could tell by my form you know, the first mile was hard and I was off pace the first mile and the first mile of a marathon should be easy. Um, (laughs) so, you know, you should feel pretty good. Um, and you know, for me from the, from the first mile I was struggling, I can tell, you know, looking back at pictures and videos, my form was bad. You can tell that I was having trouble breathing the way I was hunched over. And, um, you know, I, I crossed that finish line and I was, just totally depleted, depleted physically, depleted mentally. Um, you know, for me, I, I had such higher hopes going into that race. I had done the training to, um, to get a result that was better than that, but it doesn't matter what you train for. It only matters what happens on race day. And so, you know, when I crossed that finish line, I was, I was, I was questioning, okay, what, what went wrong? What did I do? Is this, me? Is this, what was it? And, um, you know, I think for me, I, I feel like I haven't had, I, I want to give the marathon another shot. I don't feel like that was a fair representation. I don't feel like I did it justice that time. And I, I, I want to do it again to, to prove that I, I can do what I believe I'm capable of.
1: How long did it take you to pick yourself back up after Chicago?
0: Um, well, honestly, I was in bed for over two weeks after it, I think racing a marathon while sick is not very smart. Um, I, I, the sickness just lingered and lingered. It was probably over a month and a half until I actually felt normal again, just sickness wise. Um, you know, But right after Chicago, I went to Cable, Wisconsin with my husband and my son, Stanley, which is actually where we got married. My husband and I got married and we just have a really good group of friends there. And it was just refreshing to get away from it. It's a group of friends who don't care that I'm a professional athlete. They don't care what I do. And so for me, it was just the perfect thing to, to get me over that um, mental um, difficulty.
1: How important is it to have those reminders as an athlete and not just an elite athlete like yourself, but I see it with a lot of age group runners who I coach and running is such a big part of their identity. It can be easy to get tied up in the results. And, you know, if I don't, you know, hit a BQ or hit a PR, people are going to think less of me, but then to go home to your family and friends and those who are closest to you and, you know, they couldn't care differently if you like won a gold medal or if, you know, you unraveled at the end of the race.
0: Exactly. Um, you know, the, your friends, you'll find out, you know, your, your true friends, they do not care at all what your result in is. And I, you know, when I was younger, I really struggled with, with separating myself from sport. You know, I really believed how I performed was what defined me. And I started to perform way better once I was able to separate myself from sport and realize that sport does not define me. Um, and that's something that has just been huge for me. And now after having my son Stanley, like uh, it's way easier to separate your sport. Like you, it's just, yeah, you know, I have be like my husband and I did a really good job before having Stanley separating that out and not defining, uh, myself in results, but now after having Stanley, it's just even that much more easier to do that. You come home and you have just distractions and people to show you what really matters in life, you know, the love and the family and happiness. And so, yeah, I think that's so crucial. I think it not only is crucial for mental well being. But also, I think it helps your performance. You know, you can have a bad workout. And if you have if you come home and dwell on it, then your next workout may be bad because you've wasted all this mental energy dwelling on it. But if you come home and you just kind of move past it, you learn from your mistakes, then I believe you perform better.
1: Yeah, I think that's so important to have that kind of perspective because it can be really easy to just get wrapped up in sport and get wrapped up in results especially and then that ends up bringing down the rest of your life it can be a vicious cycle when you get caught up in it like that
0: exactly yep
1: let's continue on the line of chicago marathon the build-up leading up to it the day itself didn't go as you wanted it to but the months leading up to it were very different from for you it was really your first like Full marathon training block. You'd run the New York City Marathon after the Rio Olympics in 2016, but this was your first proper block of training as a pure marathon runner. How did that go for you?
0: Yeah, you know, it was really difficult, um, you know, but I was able to get to the mileage that Jerry wanted me at. I was above 120 for six weeks. And I was able to hit all the times that Jerry gave me and all the workouts that, well, there was one workout, the very first workout in the buildup that was horrible. But besides that, um, all the workouts I was able to hit the times, you know, it was very fatiguing. It was, um, you know, it was very difficult, you know, at times, you know, there's, you don't want to, run another hour when you've already run 2 hours that day but you know it's it's something that I really enjoyed it it was a different challenge for me and it it was an exciting thing and I, I learned a lot about nutrition during that time period as well in in triathlon you can pull fuels from all these different areas you know when you're swimming you pull it from your upper body and then biking and running they use different muscle groups but in running you're pulling all your stores from the same muscle groups for two, two and a half hours. And so you just have to fuel differently. So that was also a big learning, learning curve for myself and my husband.
1: Aside from those nutritional changes and fueling, uh, and obviously from a training standpoint, you're running a lot more than you ever did during your triathlon training. What other adjustments did you have to make, whether it was to your recovery and rehab routine, um, warming up, any of that sort of stuff as you switched gears and started running a lot more training for the marathon?
0: Yeah. You know, I, um, you know, I was dealing with some stuff with my heel at that time and I was able to manage it, but in order to manage it, I had to spend 30 plus minutes every time I ran before I ran, just warming up, um, the ankle and the joints and getting some mobility in there. And then as well, I would activate my glutes before every run. And, you know, in, in, in triathlon, I would just literally, I could wake up, roll out of bed and just go for a run. And when I was running 120 miles a week, my body just got a little more, um, I don't know what you would call it, but it needed to be warmed up. Um, so, you know, I, I had to spend time before going for warm-ups or before going for a run, warming it up. And then as well you know, just when you're running that many miles, you just need a lot of body work, a lot of attention, um, to your body. So, you know, a lot of people can foam roll, things like that, but, you know, I was getting body work done four or five times a week, whether that be massage or dry needling or Cairo. Um, you know, I had a treatment almost every single day and that's something that allowed me to run those high miles and allowed me to get my body ready to perform.
1: How did Jerry bring your training along? Did he throw you right into it or was it a gradual adaptation to this new stress?
0: I was definitely gradual. Um, you know, he helped me get my miles up. Um, and as well with like workouts, you know, he, we didn't go into Chicago thinking I am going to run, you know, an American record. Like, no, we're going to start at a different level. Um, you know, Amy was running, was training for a marathon at that time as well. And we would go to workouts together, but she would run, um, faster workout times, um, than I would, you know, it was definitely this let's gradually do it. This is your first one. We're trying to get your body used to the miles as, as well as, um, learning to pace.
1: What did you learn from Amy and Shalane Flanagan, the two experienced marathoners of the group, who've both done well at the global level in that event?
0: I'm still learning from them, um, but you know they they've been so amazing to train with, and I have loved picking their brains about you know how they train. They actually, um, I would say, they each approach training a, a little bit differently, which has been cool for me to see as well, just their different approaches and how they both then turn into worlds, um, you know, like world stage medals. Um, so, you know, they, um, they both run really high mileage and, you know, I'd say Amy probably has a little, she runs a little bit more miles and Shalane probably focuses a little bit more on the workouts, but they both lead to success. And Jerry kind of looks at those two and he knows what works for each of them. And that's what makes Jerry so good as well as he knows what works for each athlete. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's been great. I had actually, um, some time just Shalane and I were up at an altitude camp once for a month and just to have that one on one time every single day with such a amazing legend like herself. it was, was really amazing. She's so kind. She's so generous with her time and her thoughts. And she really does want other people to succeed. And that's something that has been amazing for for me to see.
1: Was it intimidating at all to be around someone like Shalane who has won a major marathon and, you know, who knows where she's going to go with her career from here on out, but is potentially someone that you would have to race against for an Olympic team spot?
0: I don't want to sound mean, but I didn't No, I wasn't really I wasn't intimidated by her um, or Amy. You know, I think they are just so generous and so nice and so welcoming from day one. They were just so incredibly, you know, when I first came out there, they were texting me every single day saying, Oh, we're going to meet, you know, eight 30 here. And we always meet the same place, same time every day. They could have just said like, that's it. Like we meet here every day at this time, but every day they're like, Oh, are you going to come? Like, we'll meet you. We'll wait for you. And um, I think just them being so welcoming made it so it wasn't, you know, intimidating is not a word I would use. Definitely. um, You know, I would say, you know, I I saw what they were doing and it was, you know, more like, wow, yeah, I have a lot of work to do, Um, but not intimidation. It was more inspiring than anything.
1: Yeah. It sounds like you're lifting one another up, which is probably why the group has had as much success as it has over the last few years.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's just—I mean—it it really is an incredible group. I can't—I just can't tell you how amazing the group atmosphere is, and and how much joy it, it brings me.
1: Why the marathon? In November 2017 is when you announced that you were going to retire from triathlon and were pursuing the marathon. And not only pursuing it, but your goal was to win an Olympic marathon gold medal. Why not the 10k? 5k on the track. What was it about the marathon that you wanted to go all in on?
0: Yeah, I think I, I get this question a lot. And th- there are multiple reasons. The, the biggest one being the marathon is just such an iconic Olympic event. And I have always been so inspired by the Olympics. And it's something that for me would just be the pinnacle. Um, and so that really motivates me. You know, And then I also thought long and hard about you know, what would I be good at it? And a lot of people, you know, have said you'd be good at the 10 K that's cause that's what you're doing at the end of a triathlon. But I also viewed it as in the marathon, you know, the, the triathlon is about two hours long. I felt like I had a really good cardio. Um, and the, you know, the marathon is obviously over two hours, but um, you know, closer in time than a, than a 10 K. And so, you know, there's all these factors for me that I thought about really hard and I felt like, well, what can I be good at? What will I be good at? And, um, I think, you know, with that, along with just the desire to want to do it, I mean, if you run the marathon, um, you know, I had a long talk with, with Jerry as well. And, he said, you know, you're not going to be successful at something you don't want to do. And and for me, I really wanted to do the marathon. And, you know, so we agreed that, that that was a good path.
1: How long after the Rio games did the wheels start turning for you?
0: Um, you know, to, to be honest, I did not know when. I probably didn't decide that I wanted to do running full time. Um until like after Stanley, but, but I had been thinking about running for a long, long time. The possibility had been there for quite a while. Um, you know, I actually, um, I called Jerry like two years before the Rio Olympics, um, and asked him if he would ever consider coaching me. So, you know, I think the wheels had been turning for a long time, but I wasn't sure, you know, after the, after the Rio Olympics, I knew there was that big possibility of, the, um, team mixed relay and triathlon coming. And that's something that I was like, Ooh, that could maybe motivate me to stay in triathlon. Like that's, that's something that's really cool. Really neat. Love this, love the team atmosphere, love that it's two men, two women. Um, so, you know, for me, I just, I, I yeah, it was a hard decision to make, but at the end of the day, um, it wasn't cause I realized I just really did not like training for triathlon. <laughs>
1: You just mentioned how about two years before Rio, you called Jerry and asked him if he'd ever coach you when you did decide to go all in on running. Was that the first phone call that you made when you were searching for a new coach and a new training situation?
0: I called four or five different running coaches, um, that I believed might be a good fit, um, Jerry probably wasn't the first one I talked to just because he's so hard to get on the phone sometimes. Um <laughs> he's like great in person, but sometimes it's hard to get him on the phone. Um but he yeah, so you know I think yeah, I made a lot of different calls to different people to try to figure out what the best fit was. Um yeah, and so talked to quite a few people.
1: What was it about Jerry and Bowerman Track Club that got you to commit to that group as where you wanted to be?
0: Jerry is an incredible coach where he always puts the athletes first and that's something that I think is is rare in coaching. He is not in coaching for his own accolades and I I, I just think that creates a really incredible atmosphere and he's always searching for new ways to make us better and that's that's something that's just really special. He as well, um, you know, he, he's created an environment where in the Rio Olympics, I think seven out of his eight female athletes made an Olympic team. So like his results were there. Um, I also knew I wanted to train with people. I knew from my triathlon days that I needed to be confronted with the world's best. And he had Shalane, he had Amy and, you know, so having that group atmosphere and then um, you know, once I met the the girls, the ladies on the team, I realized as well they were just so incredibly encouraging. I just it just was an incredible fit that I feel so fortunate to to be a part of.
1: Did you know Jerry when you were a student athlete at the University of Wisconsin because he was coaching there at the time, if I'm not mistaken?
0: He was. I I always joke um, that Jerry only let me on the team because we have such we go back with all these ties. He actually. <laughs> Wisconsin, which is where I grew up. And then he was at Madison coaching the men's team when I was running on the women's team. And so we all know Jerry loves his Badgers. So, you know, I I joked the only reason he lets me on the team is because I'm, I have this Wisconsin tie, but, um, you know, it's just, yeah, I definitely, I knew him. Um, and I've always known, um, his personality and and how good of a coach he was and is.
1: You ran at the university of Wisconsin, talk to me a little bit about your collegiate career, because there's not a lot about it out there. And you certainly weren't, you know, an NCAA star coming out of college, but discuss your experience um, as a collegiate athlete.
0: Well, I went to the University of Wisconsin, Madison, um, as a walk on swimmer, and I swam for three years. And I was not a good swimmer which people are, they probably roll their eyes because they're like, you're on a D1 team. But I was the worst on the team, like never scored at conference, never made NCAAs. Um, and after my, my junior year, I, um, I started to run. I, it was, I had just finished the the swimming season and my teammates were going to NCAAs and I was kind of bored and I had talked to, um a high school mentor of mine and he said, I think you should run. And I said, You're gotta be kidding me. Like I know what it, it takes to go from the high school level to the college level in swimming. And I've just been demolished. Like there's no way. I haven't run for, you know, four years in any capacity. How could I just join the team? And he actually called up the the track coach and within a week I did a time trial and I was on the team in two weeks time. And by the end of that season, I, so I joined the, the track team. It was after the outdoor season had started. And at the end of the season, I was one person off of making NCAAs. Um, and you know, that that following year I was NCAA all American. So I feel like it was a, it was a very unique experience and I really loved my, my time at Madison. I was able to experience so many different things, um, in swimming and, and in
1: running Aside from the success that you had when you joined the team at the University of Wisconsin, what else was it about running that you fell in love with?
0: I love being competitive and I I love being able to, to find what my best is. And in swimming, I felt like I had found that I had reached my potential. And I started this new thing in running and I realized, whoa, I have no idea what my potential is. And That's something that was really encouraging for me in in college and as well now. Like That's why I want to run right now is I just don't feel like I've reached my potential. And that's something that's so motivating for me.
1: When you graduated college, you did not become a professional athlete right away. You went into accounting. Did you think your competitive career as any sort of athlete was over at that point?
0: I definitely thought it was over. Um, For me, I was someone who... I didn't think I could make a living off of being a professional athlete. I didn't think, um, I didn't really know much about sponsors. I didn't really, well, and I hadn't really, I mean, like you said, I wasn't this NCAA star. I, you know, I wasn't someone who could come out of college with the results that I had and and get some big sponsorship deal. And so for me, I I looked at it as I'm not going to be a professional because, I want to support myself. I don't want to ask my parents for help. I don't want to live at home. I want to be a strong woman and I want to make a career for myself. So I started working at Ernst & Young, an accounting firm, and and that's what I thought I was going to do.
1: How did you find triathlon or did triathlon find you?
0: (laughs) Yeah, triathlon found me. I, uh, Barb Lindquist with the USA triathlon college recruitment program who she actually just retired from the position, but she called me up and she actually called me up when I was still in college and said, I think, you know, you'd be, you'd be a good triathlete. She said on paper, you're better than, than me. And I was an Olympian and I just kind of laughed at her. I said, look, you know, I swam and I ran in college. I wasn't, yeah, I was, I was good at running, but I wasn't like great, um, I, she's like, and you know, I brought back the point of, I know what the jump it takes from high school to college. I can't imagine the jump from college to pro. And I said, I want to support myself and I don't believe I can, you know, I won't have enough money right now if I just become a pro. And so she kept, um, I want to use the word pestering, but she was never pestering me because she was actually an incredible mentor for me. And she still is to this day. She's someone who just she's, I love talking to her. She always reminds me and grounds me, um, in, in what's really important in life. And she probably called me once a week and, um, you know, didn't never pressured me into, um, doing triathlon, but just said, you know, if you ever want to give it a shot, I'm here. If you want to do both working full-time and triathlon on the side, we can make it work. And, um, you know, I think after a, a couple months I missed the, the competitiveness and I said, okay, you know, if I can do it on the side and keep my full-time job, I'll try it.
1: How did you get started training for triathlon while you're still working full time as an accountant?
0: I mean, looking back, it was probably silly. I, you know, I was, I I definitely wasn't my best athlete at the time because I was waking up at 3 30 AM to do 4 AM workouts and, um, you know, working out again after work. And, um, you know, I had a, a coach, Cindy Banning, who gave me workouts online because I couldn't live in a place where there was a training group because I was living where my job was. So, you know, it was a, it was an interesting start, but, um, you know, I think what really made me realize that I could make it is within a year I had qualified for my first Olympic games.
1: And is it at that point that you quit your accounting job and committed to triathlon full-time or had that already happened at that point?
0: Um, so at that point I was not ready to quit yet. Um, I was still, I was still pretty cautious. So I took a leave of absence. My work was amazing. And they let me take a leave of absence. And, um, you know, they said I could come back whenever I wanted. And I think I'm like kind of still technically on that leave. of absence. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that's when I, um, took that leave, which is basically like, I guess quitting, um, and, and started training full time.
1: Yeah, and it was a couple of years after those Olympic games, so you went on this incredible run. I think you won like 13 or 14 races in a row, which was some sort of record. Uh and then you went on to win the Olympic gold in 2016. Looking back, is that anything you could have ever anticipated?
0: <laughs> no, never. Um, you know, it's still weird um to to think about uh, that I have an Olympic gold medal that I've gone on this journey and that I've been blessed with being able to, to live this life and that sponsors have um, stuck with me. And you know, I have one sponsor um, the Island house who has been with me since almost day one. And I, I just look at, at him. Um, it's Mark Haluesco who funds it. And I just, and I'm so grateful that he believes in me and that I have sponsors like him who support me and allow me to, to live this dream.
1: Has it been challenging for you? in your new sport to not have that kind of success that you had your last few years of triathlon or does it motivate you even more to stick with it and see what's possible in running?
0: Yeah, I think it motivates me even more. Um, You know, I think, you know, Jerry had a funny conversation with myself and and Patrick after one of my races and he's like, look, it's, it's going to be hard. I mean, Gwen, you've accomplished the top of the sport. So basically anything you do now, you're probably going to be disappointed with. Um, and so, you know, I think, um, you can look at it that way. And, you know, for me, I I definitely look at it as motivation. You know, I, I know, you know, I think, um, we all kind of do the same things training wise and it's kind of what you do outside of training that sets you apart, what you do mentally, what you do to recover and rest. And, um, you know, I feel like I have that dialed in and I just now need to, to keep on, getting my head down and hopefully get back to running and, and continue to run.
1: Do you feel like your fans that you had in triathlon have stuck with you as you've transitioned to running and are still supporting you as fervently as they were when you're at the peak of your triathlon career?
0: I hope so. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I hope so. I don't, you know, I, um, you know, for me, I, when I, Became a professional athlete, and when I really started to do well, one of the things I really struggled with is having a fan base. I'm someone who is introverted. I, um, you know, I it was actually, I, I think I came off as very rude or mean to, to fans at, at the beginning because I didn't know how to handle it and I didn't quite understand where they were coming from. And my husband actually taught me taught me a lot um, and, and made me realize you know, how I can affect others. And I actually had this really meaningful um, interaction with this one woman. Um, and, and she came up to me and said, you know, I saw you racing on the TV and it got me motivated. I hadn't worked out for six years. And the next day I started training and I've done, you know, four triathlons since then. And, you know, that sort of thing really opened my eyes and, and made me realize that, her name was love even if lovey can you know get that inspired by me i understand now like why it's good to be a professional athlete and how i can inspire others to lead a healthy
1: lifestyle well along those lines you really picked up the pace of your youtube channel when you committed to running you're sharing a lot of your story um personal elements of it we see your son stanley a lot patrick makes a lot of appearances in the story you're very raw and honest about whatever it is that you're doing at the time. And recently it's been dealing with injury, you know, early on it was adapting to a new training system. Uh, You just mentioned how you're an introvert. Was that hard for you to go in that direction and be so open and share more of your story consistently, like the good and the bad? Um, Or has it been challenging for you in in different ways?
0: Yeah, it's been so hard. I think, um, so that, that, that's been, I call it Patrick's baby. He really wanted me to, to do the YouTube series. And it was a long conversation. Um, he'd been wanting me to do it for, for quite a while. And I kept saying, no, like my number one goal is performance. And I'm not going to do anything that takes away from my performance. And if I have somebody and it's following me around and it's bothering me at a workout, like, no, I can't have that. And he promised me that it would not affect my performance. And he's done an incredible job, um, not having to affect my performance. And, you know, I think what we, what he did that, that made it easier is Talbot Cox produces it all. And Talbot is just incredible. Um, he makes it easy. Um, if I don't want something filmed, he won't, but he's now just like part of our family. Like when he comes to film, he stays at our house and, I know that I need to get him. He always needs bread and honey in the morning. So, you know, I always make sure to stock up on those things before he comes. And he's just like a family member. And so that's made it really easy. I feel like I'm, you know, just with a family member um, when I'm when I'm doing these filmings. And I'm someone who is, I'm very honest and open, but I am an introvert. So, um, you know, it's easy to share. It's just difficult to share it with so many people. So I just kind of ignore the fact that... Um,
1: Thousands of people are watching it.
0: But yeah, I'm like, you know what? This is just me, Talbot, Stanley and Pat.
1: (laughs) Let's talk about Patrick for a little bit. He's your husband. He's your right hand man. He I've seen him in the videos. He does everything for you from prepping your meals, driving you to workouts, um, helping take care of Stanley. Just talk about how important his support has been throughout your entire athletic journey.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I believe a hundred percent that I would not be an Olympic gold medalist without him. He, he gave up his career to support me full time and it's been a a, a game changer. And you know, when he first did it, it was extremely scary. Um, I wasn't making much money and, you know, we decided to invest in something that we believed would make us better long-term and it it did. And, um, it's just incredible to have that support. He is such a strong, positive role model. Um, you know, he's able to, he, he knows that the, the gold medal is as much his as, as it is mine. And, um, I don't think the rest of the world knows that or realizes that, but he has just done so much to help me. And yeah, I mean, I'm so thankful he, he, you named it. I mean, he does everything. Yeah. He even drives me around because I hate driving. <laughs>
1: Well, and he's a pretty damn good athlete in his own right. I mean, he was a a bike racer, I think when you guys met. And it looks like from what I've seen in your last couple of YouTube videos, he's back racing a little bit.
0: Yeah, um he yeah, he used to be a professional cyclist and he is starting to to race again again. Um you know, he had a little break when he wasn't riding as much um you know, just kind of the last year leading into 2016 and then me being pregnant and having Stanley and he's, we've, Stanley's now a little bit older and he has more of a routine. And so it's a little bit easier for us to plan, um, you know, when Pat has, when he can have time to, to go out and and do some workouts. And here in Portland, there's some really great weeknight races, weeknight crits, but Pat's actually in Wisconsin right now, um, racing, uh, tour of America's Dairyland. So yeah, he's been able to race, which has been great. Just seeing his joy for that. And, um, he, I also like it too, because he's a, he's a more, he's more of an athlete in the home. Like he, but when he wasn't racing, he'd have like chips and ice cream every night, which I'm not saying I don't have chips and ice cream. I have them all the time, but when they're in the house, it's like, I just, if the bag's open, I have to finish it for some reason. So, um, now that he's racing, he's, he's a little more diligent on, on what he eats and, and does. And, you know, he's more mindful of going to bed on time. Whereas when he wasn't racing, he wasn't, um, going to bed as early e- e- either. So, um, I've loved it because it just makes our household on more of the same agenda.
1: <laughs> yeah. It sounds like he's thinking and acting like an athlete again. Exactly. Last question before we wrap up here, when you announced that you were going to go into professional running, you were pretty bold in saying that my goal is to win the Olympic gold medal in the marathon. Is that still the goal?
0: It is. Um, you know, I, I believe I'm nowhere near my potential. Um, and I know that it sounds probably ridiculous to some people for me to say that. And, you know, I just, I also believe though, that, you ask anyone who's training for the Olympics and they're going to say that they want to make a team. And if you make that team, if you ask any of them, they may not say that they want to win, but there's no way that they're going to go into that race and not be hopeful that they will win. And I'm not afraid to put my goals out there. I, I believe that's why we race, right? We we want to do the best that we can. Um, and we can't always control the outcome, but if we could, we would want to win. So, um, you know, for me, that's my goal and I'm not, I feel confident in putting it out there. I think it holds me accountable. It shows others that I'm, I'm making big goals and I hope it inspires others to go after things that they may think, is impossible, but if you work hard and you have the right team around you, you realize that it is possible.
1: One quick follow-up question to that. Is it 2020 or bust, or do you see your competitive running career extending beyond the next Olympic Games?
0: I always thought it would be 2020 or bust um, because I really want more kids in my family, and I'm only getting older, but I I definitely um, can see myself running past 2020. Um, you know, Pat and I are, are looking into fostering and adopting and, and and different things that could allow me to continue running as well as grow our family. I
1: think that's a great place to wrap things up. Gwen, thank you so much for your time. Really enjoyed this conversation and thank you for coming on the Morning Shakeout Podcast.
0: Yes, it's been a pleasure. Thank you.
1: All right, we did it. Another episode in the books. Really hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening in and being a part of this journey with me. If you'd like to show your support for the morning shakeout podcast, there are a number of ways that you can do it. The easiest and most effective is simply word of mouth. Tell your friends about it when you're out on your morning run, or maybe when you're walking a coffee out to dinner, wherever it happens to be and encourage them to subscribe. You can also go on social media, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, post a link to your favorite episode and encourage your friends and followers to Tune in. You can also just go to the podcast app on your phone, whether it's Apple Podcasts, whatever platform it is that you're listening to this on, and leave a rating and a review. Only takes a few minutes, but helps new listeners to discover the show. Finally, you can also support my work directly on Patreon by going to the morningshakeout.com support. There are a couple perks there for Patreon supporters, including a new weekly podcast with myself and Billy Yang. It's 30 minutes, just two friends catching up with one another geeking out over what happened in running over the weekend and super casual but super fun i think if you enjoy my work and you're a fan of billy's work if you're not check it out you'll really get a lot out of that however you do it it means a lot to me so thank you so much to everyone who supported the show in one form or another before we wrap up, I'd also like to thank my man John Summerford of BearsRecords.com. He takes care of all my audio needs for this show, including the music, which he made himself, and he's a big part of my small team here at The Morning Shakeout. Last thing, if you're digging the podcast, you will love my newsletter. It's also called The Morning Shakeout. You can get to it at themorningshakeout.com slash subscribe, and you'll get my weekly take on what's happening in the world of running along with a collection of things that I'm thinking about reading and listening to that you're going to enjoy getting in your inbox every Tuesday morning. Okay, that's all I've got. I'm Mario Fraioli, and you've been listening to the Morning Shakeout Podcast.